Oh, we've got one coming up for you today, friends. Taking a look at one of the offseason moves from the Brooklyn Nets in Yuta Watanabe and re-examining whether or not he could actually carve out a very useful and functional role for the Brooklyn Nets in the upcoming season. We break down all the angles next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, friends, the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. You know that I am Adam Armbrecht, also breaking down the New York football giants over on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day free on all those great platforms. And if Doug were here, you would know that he is the owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. And friends, have we got an episode for you today. Uh, Doug's going to be coming in here and talking about, or just did talk about, excuse me, the uh, lineups for the Nets from last season, the lack of consistency from a minute standpoint, and how that so negatively impacted them. Really good episode to go check out. Please do so on the uh, YouTube feed or over on the podcast feed as well. But we're going to get in together and talk about X factors. There's also kind of this broad question that I want to ask at the end of the week here. What is going to happen in this season with everything that's gone on? We understand what the possibility is on paper, but what do we think? What would we really think is going to happen? I know we've discussed it before, but there's something in the pit of my stomach that really makes me want to, to put it back to Doug and see if we can get to the bottom of something that could sway or influence or, or certainly throw the Brooklyn Nets fan base into a bit of a hysteria. So that'll be fun. Check that out on Friday. But for today, you know, I was talking the other day on, on the last solo episode that I did about the signing of Markeith Morris and how Josiah was specifically involved in that. We talked about bringing in a potential another big to bang bodies with some of those others like Joel Embiid in the Eastern Conference and whether a Boogie Cousins makes sense, how I don't like Dwight Howard. All good, all good content, all worth checking out. But earlier in the offseason, the Nets extended some contracts to some people. We said they brought back Chioza, obviously, on an invitation. Don't even know if he'll make the roster. But I started to re-examine this idea because a theme that I've been driving on and certainly now, Doug and I, all, of, all, all these discussions are kind of predicated on consistency, reliability, developing a, a rotation of minutes that makes sense across the board. And when you look at roles behind Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and of course Ben Simmons as well, you're trying to find guys that can serve a consistent function and that benefit playing off of those players in the big, on the big three the three superstar talents, the three guys that matter the most to this roster, right? And first looking over at the depth chart, because we talked about this, and a few weeks ago, Doug and I broke down minutes, and this is what Doug does for a living over on DFSR as well. So understanding that he has this down kind of to a fine powder as, as far as grinding down where these minute shares can go. 
And there's only 240 of them on a given night. And essentially, not to belabor the point, but if you think about, let's just call it 100 minutes between Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons, right? That's 33, 34-ish. Could go a little higher, certainly. You got Joe Harris in the starting lineup. Let's peg him at 25. You peg Nicholas Claxton for that 20-ish minute mark, maybe a little bit more. And then you rattle through the back end of that second unit as it's currently constituted and say, yeah, give me 20 for Seth Curry. Give me 25 for Royce O'Neal. Give me 15 to 20 for TJ Warren. And then, of course, Patty Mills as well. Let's say it's 15. Depending on what you think about a Markeith Morris, a Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas, obviously in the mix there as well. De- again, depending. And then you even have a guy like Kessler Edwards. But there's probably like this 20, you know, 20 to 25 minute group. It could be closer to 20 than 25, depending on where some of these other guys go that exists there. And, and that includes, okay, is Dayron Sharp going to get 10 minutes a night? Is Cam Thomas or anyone? in that backcourt going to maybe grab themselves a seven-minute stint, right? Somewhere in here when you're giving guys breathers, what is Markeith Morris' role ultimately going to be? We talked about how, yes, you want to be this vocal leader, a veteran that is comfortable going to the superstars and saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what needs to happen, challenging them to be the best version of themselves on a night in, night out basis. That need not be something that goes on necessarily on the court at all times. So I just... I don't know yet. We'll find out as we get into camp where some of these minute shares are going to break down. But none of these guys would I think like a can't like Cam Thomas isn't getting 18 minutes a night, right? That that I think we feel comfortable with. Could he eat into Patty Mills over the course of the season? Certainly. But as he eats into them, it's coming clearly away from one pool at that backcourt spot. Likewise, is Dayron Sharp? capable of playing 20 minutes a night sure capable but situationally when we want to have that consistency and i talked about this when we looked at the possibility of bringing in a boogie cousins or any big man to help spell that front court a little bit markeith morris dayron sharp any of these guys I, i none of them are you saying and then they start playing 25 minutes a night right i you know in theory dayron is young and he can develop into that but i don't think that this upcoming season in year number two is going to be that leaps and bound advance for him. Not that he's not going to have a role, but I just don't see it being that seismic shift. So it means that there is this pocket as they're currently constituted. And if you bring in someone like Cousins or any other big, I'm just using him as the name that's been on a lot of Nets fans' lips, fine. That may shift this. But when I look across the roster right now, I did come back to Yuta Watanabe and what he is as a player. What is his function in this role and the potential that he actually could be someone that carves out a nice little niche, a nice little 10 to 12, you know, in a 10 to 15 minute range a night. I mean, I'm sure Doug and I will get on at the end of the week and he may just, man, give me direct and aggressive blowback. And I'm not saying that, that I have this ironclad conviction But I went back and started watching some of his tape from Toronto, watching when Siakam was out and he was filling in. I started to look at the specific areas of his game, what his skill set is, and where that can plug into this Nets rotation and why it does have a functional element to it that the Nets have have lacked. As I get a little choked up about it, they've lacked those wings, right? Something that Kevin Durant talked about in the offseason over on Twitter. That's what the league is predicated on. And so I'm going to set the table here and think about the idea that Yuta Watanabe 
who is on a per 36 minute basis, something he's never going to do and is not the expectation for him. But he is a guy on a per 36 minute basis that can knock down 30% of his three point shooting 43% from the field and could, and would be a player that could give you seven plus rebounds, a couple of assists and ultimately knock down maybe four, four out of 10, five out of 10 shots from the field and give you 12 points a night, right? That's not what he's going to be. Watanabe is not kicking down the door for 36 minutes. But what do the smaller sample sizes tell us? And where can he fit in and help create consistency inside of this lineup? Let's take a look next. But before we do, friends, why don't we go ahead and tell you about our other friends? And that, of course, would be, you guessed it, it is Bet Online. You know that we've been talking about Bet Online basically since we've been a podcast on this network. And that is because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sporting needs this season. You can find the latest football league developments. That's NFL. That's NCAA. Game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this years lines every single week right so we're talking about being into week three coming up for the nfl a lot of things are getting seismic maybe go check out what the new york football giants are up to season projections win projections favored on monday night against dallas yeah throw down a few shekels see how you fare the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events is of course going to be bet online including mlb mma boxing and golf Head over to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. And where our game starts, where our game starts, is right here on this idea that Yuta Watanabe can be someone for the Brooklyn Nets. And I said there in the tease, 36 per 36 minute average, right? Okay. Let's go ahead and rein ourselves in and talk about what he really was. Last year, remember, he's 27 years old, came in as an old rookie at 24 in 2018-19 with the Memphis Grizzlies first two years there, last two years with Toronto. Last season, he averaged 12 minutes, 11.7, but 12 minutes a night, he knocked down 50% from the field, did some work in around the basket, effective field goal percentage over 50%, three-point shooting on two attempts was 34%. And he ended up giving you four points a night, total rebounds two and a half across those 12 minutes and 38 games with four starts. Now, here's the first thing that I want to assert about this. And, and, you know, the sample size has always been small. He's never been a starter. Started 15 games, 18 games, 52 years ago for Toronto, where he averaged a career high 14 and a half minutes per night. And by the way, in those 14 and a half minutes, so in the opportunity when he saw the most consistent opportunity to play, 50 games, he went ahead and gave you 40% from beyond the arc on those two attempts per game and also threw in five points, four and a half points, and gave you three total rebounds. So a little bit better than what we see. Again, a little more play, a little more uh, bump in those stat lines there. But remember, in Toronto, when you think about the players that he's working with, and the talent that he's surrounded by. Now, I love Toronto as a team. I love the way they're constructed. love the way they're coached with Nick Nurse. Big fan of Siakam. Uh, big fan of what OG can continue to grow into. Obviously, Scotty Barnes this past season, right on down the line, right? However, from an elite talent, NBA talent level, this will be obviously the best team that he could be a contributing member on with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. Okay, that's that's phase number one here. 
Phase number two is where could he plug into and what is his skill set that he would bring to the table? So this is the kind of the thing. We'll talk about Raptor ratings here just briefly to put it into some context. Because in case you're wondering, no. When you go over and look at Yuta Watanabe's Raptor rating, he had an overall defensive rating, really a spark plug there in 1920 when he wasn't playing a lot of minutes necessarily in Memphis. Very small sample size. The bigger the sample size from a minute standpoint, outside of his uh, last season there, 21-22, negative, minus 1.9. He was narrowly a positive defensive rating back in 2021 when, again, 14 minutes a night, consistent 50 games over the course of the season. And that was also, by the way, when we saw his best overall offensive rating. Still net negative, just to be clear. He has never had a positive Raptor rating on the offensive end. So that's just, you know, where is the benchmark? But for context, when we look at the Nets team overall this past season, even though a player like Joe Harris only played in 423 minutes before going down, listen, minus 2.9 on the offensive end, minus 1.8 on the defensive end. And we can talk about whether or not that's a good or bad thing for the Nets overall. But those skill sets that he brings to the table, kind of, you know, they transcend whether or not these negative net ratings. Just are you knocking down triples for us? Seth Curry, his a tandem partner potentially there in this role this season. He's a positive on the offensive end, 1.3, but a net negative on the defensive end. So was Kessler Edwards as a rookie, a total minus 3.9, one of the worst ratings on the team, right? Patty Mills, narrowly positive on the offensive end, but a big net negative defensively as well. And the, these things don't matter, right? These aren't the, the eye test is also the biggest factor here. And that's why I talk about watching the skill set that Yuta brings to the table. So relative to this team, relative to what we we know the Nets are and who they have in these rotations, when we go over and look at the depth chart here, and we talk about specifically the two forward positions because Yuta is coming in the door as a 6'9", 215-pound forward, right? So we can think about the fact that Nicholas Claxton is going to be your we think, you know, starting center at 6'11", 215, 220. He'll probably put on a little bit of weight here, but we know that Nicholas Claxton is this lean body. We know that we also have a player like TJ Warren, who if healthy, has the ability to obviously score points in bunches, 6'8", 220 in the mix. The other big factor here is Royce O'Neal and thinking about where his role is really going to be defined. A lot of people were talking about, well, he's the easy one-to-one replacement for Bruce Brown in his role. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you want to have that versatility and functionality for him, but maybe you also don't want it to be that he's stepping in the door and always taking on those bigger assignments with consistency, knowing that you can have some other bodies that have some of the length, have some of that size, and then, yeah, switchable moments, et cetera. You're going to try to put him into those some of those key matchups and just make it possible for Kevin Durant to be switchable, for Ben Simmons to be switchable, for Claxton to be switchable, and not necessarily lose at least the defensive presence, the defensive acumen that Royce O'Neal can bring to the table to go along, obviously, with some of that perimeter shooting he's going to bring on the offensive end. But Yuta Watanabe, like, he's the, he's the bench guy that you just might want to have be a part of this unit. Because after we talk about Royce O'Neal at 6'4", said TJ Warren there at 6'8", Markeith Morris, what is his role going to be for this team? We think as he's gotten a little bit older, 6'9", 245, that he's going to slip into that more small, small ball five-man lineup and get in there and be thick, right? Be a guy that can bang some bodies with some of the bigger boys in the league and just be a presence. 
what, what does the minutes share look like there? Right away, we saying be a presence for 20 minutes a game. I just no chance, no chance that that's the scenario. But be that presence for 10 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game. Sure. Right. Be a guy that can come in and be disruptive for those plays. 100%, let alone anything that he's going to give you on the offensive end. And I just started thinking about that question that we asked the other day. Do the Nets need to get bigger? Do they really need this big-bodied guy, 6'10", 6'11", or do they need consistencies and redundancies across their rotations so that they know that when they need to go to the bench, they have some reliability? And that's where I think that Yuta Watanabe potentially can come into the fold here. Because if we talk about going into training camp, we mentioned that starting five, we mentioned the next five up in Patty Mills, Curry, O'Neal, Warren, and let's say Markeith Morris for sake of argument in this moment. And then we put D, uh, we put Dayron Sharp into the mix, and then we can have that debate about where is Ken Thomas going to be? Where is Kessler Edwards going to be? Uh, where could David Duke Jr. be on the two-way? Alondez Williams, who needs to work on his game, et cetera. So there's four other guys that we can have that discussion about. But effectively, on a 15-man on a 15-man roster, we've got our top 10, our top nine, and then like the 10th guy is a, is a bit of a rotational player. Let's see who it's going to fill those minutes. Basically, 12, but 13, 14, 15, like it's open there. And if we talk about that 15-man roster, can I very some I'm very somewhat comfortably say, okay, take those first 10, add in Morris. We want to say that Thomas is going to be there. That's 12. Even if you'd said David Duke Jr. and Alondez Williams and then add in a Yuta Watanabe, there's, there's 15, right? And if he's on this roster in this rotation, he offers a value that I think benefits the size conversation just, just by being 6'9". Because think about the fact that no matter any point that you make these rotations, or specifically, when you make the rotations and Seth Curry comes in or Patty Mills comes in or Royce O'Neal comes in, where are we? Where are we in that five-man lineup here? And all of a sudden, getting very small very quickly. Even flip the script and put Seth Curry into the starting rotation over Joe Harris. Okay, you put a little bit more size in there. We don't got a lot of it. And that's why people talk about, oh, get another big. Okay. The alternative would be, though, if you could utilize a Watanabe inside of this rotation for however many minutes you want to slot him for. I- I'm saying 10. Give me 10 to 12 minutes of Yuta Watanabe on the court on a given night. Now, all of a sudden, instead of going from having your smallest player be Kyrie Irving, and then the next one be a six, you know, six, five, six, six, Joe Harris dropping down to having three players, six, four and under in that second unit rotation. Now you've got another six, nine body out there. Someone that just has a physical presence, a size, and it doesn't need to be elite. T.J. Warren is not going to be a good defensive player for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, fine. And these things are not five men in, five men out. But as you flex in between these lineups, I think Yuta Watanabe brings a skill set that matches up well with several players in the starting five and coming off that bench unit. Let's go ahead and take a look at that next. Okay, so I tap dance around a little bit, just where these rotations are, the players that matter, trying to just give you this sense of, hey, you want more size? This player does have it. And let's make it very clear here. I'm not saying that Yuta Watanabe is a 20-plus minute player for the Brooklyn Nets and a you know key cog in the machine, but go watch highlights of him. 
I mentioned it there before. You can go see him playing with Fred Van Fleet, playing with Powell, depending on what years you're looking at the highlights, playing with Trent Jr., functioning inside of an offense where what is he doing? What is he bringing to the table? We talked about the outside shooting. He can get out and he can run the floor. If you go look at his scouting report, adequate athleticism, I think that's true. Right? There's a ceiling to this kid, very clearly. But he's athletic enough to run the open court. It looked a lot like, like I can look at him and say, not as athletic in the open court as a Nicholas Claxton, but he can, he can get out there and run. He can fill the lanes and he can take those lead passes and finish at the basket. So when we talk about Kyrie Irving playing that point guard position and being the guy that's setting things up or the ball being in Ben Simmons hands where he's that point forward, if you can get out and run on the breaks and Yuta Watanabe is out there for any stretch of time, he's going to be able to serve the function you need. Fill space, make yourself available, finish when the opportunities come. That's phase number one here, I think, for Yuta Watanabe in terms of what he brings. Also offensively, we talked about the three-point shooting. My belief, as we've always said, is players, if you put them around better talent, some of their skill sets get elevated. So if we're just thinking about what can he do if you give him these looks with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or Ben Simmons or Joe Harris, any of these guys we're talking about here, how does it help make the team more dangerous? It helps make the team more dangerous in two ways. One, I think you can take a look at the three-point percentage and say, yeah, does it get a little bump short or does he just take a little more? Instead of two, take three and or four, right, and be knocking down three out of four or two out of four on a game-to-game basis. I think that consistency is there for him. By the way, he's not just a spot-up three-point shooter. You go and watch some of these games. He can come off the screens. He can hit that jumper off the curl. So he can hit those moving three-point shot attempts too. If we're thinking about, yes, Seth Curry can do that at the guard position, right? He is a shot creator in his own right. Joe Harris, not. He needs to set his feet elevate knock down those triples with consistency and we're you see how we're talking about it at three levels of this offense the guard position the small forward position potentially guard position with joe harris and then the forward power forward bigger man opportunity for a guy like watanabe he can do that he can do that for you that matters the way that it also matters is thinking about these rotations and saying if anybody, and we talked about this with TJ Warren and his size, we talk about it with Seth Curry and his athleticism and how it opens up other things for other players on the court. If Watanabe is out there for any stretch coming in, and as these rotations flex over, let's say that it's Joe Harris out there on the floor at either the two position or at that small forward position. Watanabe's presence is going to then trickle down the assignment line up here. The same way that it would with TJ Warren, the same way that it's going to affect when you have a Royce O'Neal, right? But what's the difference when you have a Royce O'Neal out there on the floor at 6'4", offensively, versus when you maybe have a TJ Warren, versus when you can have a Watanabe? And if you think about the potential of Warren being out there and then putting a Watanabe into the mix, well, suddenly you have the opportunity again to create height matchups that benefit first TJ Warren and where his assignments are going to go, then also a Joe Harris and where his assignments are going to go. And then even a Seth Curry, even a Patty Mills. Like this is just a universal truth about size, regardless of what player you're talking about. If you're adequate enough at being productive on the offensive end, it forces defenses to stay at home. The switchability starts to go out the window. If you're looking at switching a guard onto a 6'9", Yuta Watanabe, that's going to be a more difficult assignment, right? There aren't a lot 
of guards that defensively can hold up in those assignments. Some of them do it well. Some of them excel at it. But in the case of the Brooklyn Nets, they haven't had that consistency. So even at the highest level, again, this is just fundamentally how you want to be constructed as a basketball team. Kevin Durant did not benefit from having more size around him and guys that needed to be respected defensively. You could always switch to put the best plus matchup out there on that length of a Kevin Durant. Likewise, in coming now, Ben Simmons, like we want to have plus matchups for him. We don't have plus matchups for Kyrie Irving. And I, I just, that's the first phase of it. What he can do from the perimeter. The other things that Yuta Watanabe potentially brings to the table is that just being big enough also means that you can get some rebounds. You can just be a presence on the interior, offensively and defensively. And if you think about the fact that by and large, Kevin Durant is a man that likes to work on the outside, likes to work into the mid-range game. And if the shots aren't going down, rarely as that may be, but he's not necessarily going to be there for putback opportunities, right? He's not going to be a guy banging bodies on the interior and looking for those offensive rebounds. And you can just go and look at last regular season, right? If we see inside of his stat lines and we talk about those offensive rebounds, this is a guy that averages half of an offensive rebound per game. Now he's giving you seven defensive rebounds per night. That is not a universal truth for players playing at the four, typically maybe more beneficially at the three. Now this season, like you often look at that position and say, Hey, that's going to be a plus matchup and opportunity for us to create second chance opportunities. And it's why you bring in some other bodies to be effective around there. I think that Yuta Watanabe can do a little bit of that for you. When you went and talked about what, you know, his stat lines that he brings in the door, What's nice about it is, it, is it more defensive rebounds? Of course it is. He's averaging half a rebound a game as well, but he's doing it over 11 minutes, right? So again, we're talking about at the back end of a rotation, splitting in for a little two-minute shift here, a little two-and-a-half-minute shift there. And maybe it only ends up being eight to 10 minutes in the game. I, it's, it's hard to nail these things down. And I won't be shocked if, if Doug comes in and tells me, man, I, I don't know what you're thinking about with Yuta Watanabe. I don't want to over-elevate what he can be. What I can tell you is he serves a function that the Brooklyn Nets have not always had. And I can look at the defensive end and say, well, we like what TJ Warren is capable of doing offensively for this team. He's not going to give a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Something that Yuta Watanabe can do is be around the ball, be around the basket defensively and impact shots be in the way, maybe get some deflections on some of those mid range game floaters. And all of these pieces are about, alleviating the responsibility of your superstars in certain little aspects of the game when they can, and then also further specializing what everyone's role is going to be ahead of them. And what I mean by that again is, and we've talked about this before, how Ben Simmons presence directly benefits how useful and functional Nicholas Claxton becomes on defense and on offense. Likewise, what TJ Warren gives to you in rotational minutes is going to benefit Ben Simmons. It's going to, specialized Nicholas Claxton that much further down. Same thing for a Dayron Sharp if he's going to get any minutes out there. What do we need you to do? See the ball, get the ball, right? Be a presence, set screens on the offensive end, grab rebounds, and if that perimeter or shot starts to evolve here, good for you. But we're not putting any of those extra pieces on your plate. 
you don't want to nominate in some ways to me, like you can think about Kessler Edwards and saying, Hey, if you can knock down some perimeter shots and you can be switchable on defense, Kessler Edwards, terrible Raptor rating last year, but that that's that kind of vein of, Hey, just do a little bit of this offensively, a little bit of this defensively. Kessler Edwards has a far better upside uh, on the defensive end. That's bar none, you know, no need to even go down that road, but offensively Kessler Edwards is far closer to a Joe Harris than to a TJ Warren in terms of athleticism, functionality, on-ball usage, and being able to create some looks for himself. Yudawada Nabe is athletic enough at both ends of the floor to be able to say, there is a role here. There is a function here for you. And I'll be very fascinated to see how camp goes and whether or not another player gets brought in or if the Brooklyn Nets stay kind of the course here that we've been talking about about consistency, reliability, and redundancy. And again, when you take a look at these, these rotations that the Nets are lining up, tell me that after those top 11 guys, if I include Markeith Morris and Dayron Sharp, tell me that Yuta Watanabe can't be the 13th, 12th, 13th man that gets a minute share here and that keeps size on the court with consistency offers some perimeter shooting, offers the ability to run the floor with the ball in his hands. Last thing we didn't touch on here. When asked to do so, he can take a rebound on an outlet pass. He can run the floor and distribute it to the guards and let them continue to work the flow of the offensive system. But he can run with the ball. He can play with that ball in his hands. And being able to do that is something that you're not going to get from Dayron Sharp, something you're not going to get from Nicholas Claxton, something you would get from a Markeith Morris. But if we keep talking about wanting to push Kevin Durant further away from the five and closer to the three as often as possible, this is how you get there. There can be an outside name that gets brought in here. But as a currently constituted, you don't want Anabe, I think, can serve that role. I'll be fascinated to see if we can talk about him getting 12 minutes, 12, 13 minutes a night, and in doing so, just stem the tide of what else everyone else needs to do. Defining roles, defining roles, defining roles. That is the goal and the agenda for this Brooklyn Nets team, I think, this offseason, in this training camp, and early in the season. We know what the superstars are going to do, but how does everyone else function around them? and who is capable of stepping up and defining their role and filling it with consistency. I think that Yuta Watanabe might be able to be that player. We'll continue to break it down. Doug and I will talk about this on Friday. As we said, we're going to look at X-Factor expectations here. I'm going to throw a broad stroke question at him around what this Brooklyn Nets team is capable of. And obviously, we're gearing up here just a couple of weeks away, getting into October, getting into training camp, and hopefully starting to get a little sample size of where we think this team can go. In the meantime, my friends, you know the drill. You head over to YouTube where we are pushing. We are dangerously close. Could even be there. I have to check. To 3,000 subscribers. We always appreciate everyone that gets in on the conversations. It means the world to us. We are grateful for it. We are appreciative of it. And just Continue to say, have that conversation with us, subscribe, share it with your friends, get the podcast on the feed, wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as always, with no Doug Nori here, there is no quote short of saying, I miss my friend and I can't wait until he's right back here with me so we can keep talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.